you know, a lot of people are working remote right now, and especially in smaller early stage software companies, remote's kind of the thing, but how do you make sure that as the team grows, you continue to keep that cohesion, you continue to keep everybody working towards the same common goal, and you don't have anything that's creating too much yuckiness. Well, I talked with Richard White. He's the CEO at Fathom, and they're doing some great stuff, but he also has a remote team. And so he shared all of his best tips and tricks to help you make sure that you keep an amazing work environment for your people, even if they're remote or if they're hybrid. So I think you're really going to like this one. Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. That's right. This is Sastery in the Making. Welcome, welcome. Super excited to have you here. Thanks for being here. If you're on YouTube, thanks for watching. If you're listening on the podcast channels, thank you for doing so. I am Matt Wallach. I am your host, and I help software leaders, software founders really scale their businesses so they can get better and better at closing and earn the revenues that they deserve. I am super excited about my special guest today. I've got Richard White with me. Richard, how are you doing? Matt, I'm doing great. Awesome. I'm so excited. He's This guy, by the way, he said he's fairly nomadic in the pre-show and he's traveling through Mexico right now. So how cool is it that he's joining me while traveling on vacation in Mexico? Thank you for doing that. Of course. Happy to. Internet here is great. So I can't complain. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let me tell everybody about you, Richard. So Richard, he's the founder and CEO at Fathom. And Fathom, it's a free app that records, transcribes, and highlights your calls so you can focus on the conversation instead of taking notes. I know a lot of salespeople, sales leaders who would absolutely love to have something like that. So I can't wait to dive into it. He's also formerly the founder and CEO at User Voice. So he have, absolutely has a strong understanding of how to make sure you can grow and what SaaS is all about. So Richard, once again, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks again for having me, Matt. I'm excited to, to get in here and, and chop some of stuff up with you. Perfect, perfect. Well, tell me what's going on with you lately and what's coming up for you? Uh, I mean, we're kind of in a fun period. So Fathom, with my new venture, uh, we started fall of 2020. And so we're about 18 months in now. Uh, but we didn't launch uh, until about a year in. So we didn't launch until last fall uh, when we launched on kind of the new Zoom Apps platform. So we've been live really for about, gosh, coming up on, we're just shy of like 10 months right now. Um, but we really, you know, I think started to see some real traction. It's really starting like last November, December. We did our product at launch. Uh, we did, we got our seed funding story out there. Uh, and since then we've been seeing pretty strong, you know, 30, 40% growth a month. Uh, and so right now it's, you're in this fun period of just kind of like, you know, riding the mechanical bull, right? Like, uh, you know, our, our team's working overtime, making sure systems stay up, don't fall over, you know, uh, as, you know, as we kind of grow and, and scale. And so it's, uh, you know, I think we, we enjoyed kind of the beginning period where you kind of, we had a very long beta period, like, you know, a long build period, I think longer than most SaaS companies, like, you know, a year in build. Uh, but I think we're having more fun of like, now that we're in the wild and kind of like in the arena and doing the thing. That's so cool. I love that. The whole, that whole phase just totally, you know, energizes me. I remember it from my companies. It's just super fun to be in that build and figure out and we got to make sure this works and how do we solve that? It's, it's so fun, but I want to go back even further. So how did you come up with the idea for Fathom? Where did that start from? Uh, it was, I think, early 2020. Uh, I was actually, you know, still at User Voice, and I was doing a lot of customer research calls. We were actually like building a different product, and I was just on. I think I was on like 300 Zoom calls in the first like 
you know, month or month and a half of, of 2020 before the pandemic even. And I just remember being kind of exasperated with, like, I love this conversation. Like, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes with like a customer or prospect. Like I find it invigorating to kind of do that like detective work. Like what, you know, what challenge do they have? What can we solve? But what I didn't love is I'm like single threaded. And so as soon as my hands touch the keyboard and I like try to type out like, oh, my notes about this, like my mouth stops moving. It like ruins the flow of the conversation. Right. And then I'd have this awkward period where I have like five minutes after every call where I've got to like take that chicken scratch that I'm like writing or typing during the meeting, like turn into something. And that whole process, I just was like, this process is terrible. <laughs> this is like a real, so, real so headache, <laughs> right? Like the yeah. Zoom calls are actually fine. Like talking to someone remotely, totally fine. Love it. Uh, it's this like terrible noting process. And then the worst part of it would be I'd invest hours and hours into doing this, right? Into like writing up good notes. And I sometimes go back two weeks later and be like, I don't remember the important nuance of this conversation. But even more importantly, when I try to share it with my team, like the translation of like someone's on a call and they're really excited about something or frustrated with something. And then two weeks later, someone on my team gets a note that says like, they were frustrated or excited. It just does not carry the same gravity, right? And so uh, that was kind of like the, the aha moment of like, gosh, there's got to be like a better way to like do this. Oh my gosh, we should just be sending people the clips of the right parts of the call. And that's kind of, that's what kind of sparked that idea for me. I absolutely love that. It's so true. I, I, they always say necessity creates that, that invention and that creation. So let me, let me ask you, you talked about getting, now you're doing 30 to 4% growth and that's phenomenal. What was it? What, what helped you in those early days kind of get off the ground, get people excited, get them into the application and start to see that growth? I mean, I think there's a couple of different phases. I mean, we, I, I think it is kind of a hack to like solve a problem that you have yourself that, you know, a large other, a large group of other people happen to have because it gives you kind of conviction. I think like I probably had strong conviction, like fall of 2020, because we had a crappy beta version, right. That like barely worked, but I was like, this is what I do. Like this solves my problem. Um, it's like I gave me conviction. And then we had like a, we had a very, I think we had a six month or eight month like beta period where we had like a couple hundred people, but really we had like 50 to hundred people that were consistently using it. And at some point, you know, there's a point at which we stopped losing people, right? We kept like putting more people in and then they churn out like in two weeks because like there are too many bugs or whatnot. And there was some point at which we realized like, okay, we're seeing the same people week over week. And even when they go on vacation for a week, when they come back the next week, they're using the product again. And That's so great. then I think that allowed us to give us, this is pre-launch conviction that like, okay, if we put people in the top of the funnel, they will stay in the product. Um, and then I think, honestly, we launched uh, on the Zoom app marketplace. It's kind of a huge opportunity to get a whole bunch of leads up front. Um, and we did. And I think we really spent the first half of, or sorry, the latter half of last year, first like six months, really just working on onboarding. Like We thought we had onboarding like pretty good before launch. I think we probably spent like third to half our engineering time for months, just constantly iterating and iterating, iterating it. Um, it's just a good reminder, like that part's also really hard. Uh, and so I think we went through these phases, right? Like I conviction that it worked. We had some external users shows like once we could get them through the crappy onboarding part, they would use it. And then we figured out the onboarding part. And so it's, it's kind of a strategy I like, I call like working back to front, right? Like focus mm -hmm. on retention first and like acquisition last. Right. And, um, but yeah, that's, it's kind of worked out pretty well. I love that idea. It's, it doesn't work too well. If you do great at sales, then everybody leaves. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, based on your customer acquisition cost payback period, 
that's going to suck. You're going to lose money. So uh, I love that focus. But tell me, you know, we talked about user voice a little bit at the beginning. Mm -hmm. What has been different? What are what are some of the things that you've noticed? What have you taken away from the first? And what have you been, been able to apply to your second startup now? The second startup is is honestly, I highly recommend doing a second startup. It's, it's kind of amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I did user voice and I ran that company for, gosh, 10, 12 years, right? So I was at it, at it for a long time and we, we did a bunch of different things, right? But I think that, you know, your second startup almost, I, I kind of describe it as like playing an old video game again. And you like vaguely, you know, when you played it the first time, it's like playing Minecraft. When you drop someone in Minecraft, they have no idea what to do. You don't know you could punch a tree to get wood, right? Like it takes you a while to figure out all these things. And that's kind of like your first startup. You just don't, what you, don't know what you don't know. Mm. And the second one, it feels like I know where like, you know, the good shield is in that castle and the good sword is in that dungeon sort of thing. And so yeah. it feels like you're speed running an old video game because you always know here's all the levers to pull. Um, and also from a, you know, go to market perspective, you know, my background's engineering product. So I didn't know anything about marketing, sales, you name it going to user voice, having coming out of user voice, like, okay, now I understand these disciplines, at least to a degree of which I could decide what type of, you know, or what, you know, these to keep using my RPG analogy, like what class of, you know, we're going to be a mage type sale, or we're going to be like a paladin type sale. Right. And so, you know, I think a lot of the go to market stuff you figure out much earlier, which informs product, which informs onboarding. So it's, it's amazing, man. It's a lot of fun. And the other, I think the killer thing is, you know, having worked in the industry for 10 plus years, with user voice, I started with like myself and anyone I could kind of like trick into working with me. And this time I got to start from scratch with like a rock star team of like senior engineers and like salespeople and stuff like that. And so, you know, it's one part knowing where to go and where not to go. And it's one part having from the day one, like a good, you know, a good clan, right? And we keep reusing this RPG analogy, right? Like a good kind of like raid group to go after this, after something with. That's so cool. And I know the gamers out there are loving your analogies. That's so, so <laughs> awesome. Um, so you just talked about your crew. And so is everybody remote like you? Everyone's fully remote. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So I know a lot of teams are doing that. So talk to me, what are some of the challenges that customer facing teams have in a fully remote or, or even a hybrid environment? I mean, I think the, the, the hardest thing is always like making sure we have shared context, right? Make sure everyone's kind of seeing the same thing. Um, I think this is also true of, of in-person companies too, right? But like, you know, a lot of people we work with are, or they use Fathom or sales teams and success teams, right? And at least when you're in office, there was some ambient awareness of your manager. Like you could hear what your team sounds like. You can't mm -hmm. do that anymore, right? Or you could, you know, if someone gets off a call, oh my gosh, that went really well. What did they say? Oh, they said this, right? Well, it's fresh. And now it's really hard to do that. Um, and so I think... I think one of the things, there's a huge difference, I think, too, between companies that have been built from the bottom up to be remote first versus companies that have like begrudgingly become remote first. And you yeah. have to be very intentional about building out a lot of like internal processes and workflows that create that like shared contact so that everyone knows what everyone else is doing and everyone can see the cool face. And so we've got a lot of channels inside of you know, Fathom where you actually can see here's clips of people giving us product feedback. Here's straight from what they're saying, it's coming straight out of Fathom, right? Like within 30 seconds of someone being on a call saying, this thing sucks or this thing is great, that clip is in a Slack channel for us to watch and react to and and uh, hopefully, you know, move very quickly on. Um, so I think that's, hmm. you know, trying to create kind of like the remote first, but hybrid like Salesforce success for, yeah, I think it's an interesting challenge. So what are some of the best, you know, things that people can apply? What are some of the best you know, tactics that teams who are remote and maybe some they were forced into, of course, COVID kind of created that. Um, or even if you're just setting up your team right now, what should people be thinking of and how should they be doing it and how should they make it happen? 
Well, it's interesting. I think the thing I most commonly see is I, one of my biggest things with remote is like question all synchronous communication and really try to figure out. It's funny because we're building a, a product for meetings, but mostly we're building this product for like external meetings, right? Like you're meeting customers and prospects. From an internal perspective, I'm always asking the question like, does this need to be an internal meeting or can this be a loom or can this be a, you know, a notion page or something like that. Right. And mm, I think, I think in a remote environment, there's almost this like tendency to over invite people to meetings. Cause like, what if they need to hear something? But I feel like you actually should go the other direction and say like, how do we like, we, we revise the all hands schedule. We only have like one all hands meeting for the entire team. Uh, like on a standing weekly stand per week, per week. Um, yeah, great. And, and, you know, and, you know, I think at times we've had three or four, but we constantly ask the question, does this need to be a meeting? Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing. Meetings are great when you want to discuss something. Once everyone has context, they're terrible. Once it's like we're using the meeting to get context. And I think a lot of in-person companies historically use meetings to get context. Um, and so nothing else is kind of like the Amazon meeting style, right? I don't know if you're familiar with this, where they you have to write a six page memo before the meeting. And then the first part of the meeting is people just sitting there reading the memo. So it's like, great. Yuck. Now we all have context. Um, so, so the worst case is something like that. Right. But like, I think mm -hmm. the big thing is moving to like asynchronous communications are great. Yeah, I think it's so true. And I remember that some of the meetings that I was in back when I was in office, some of my past companies, I mean, you, you just could see they were, they weren't helpful. And as the company got bigger and bigger, they got worse and worse. And, you know, it's almost like people, you know, almost were trying to justify their jobs as opposed to doing something, productive within a meeting but now you're right my team right now is fully remote and it's very effective we hardly meet and everything happens through slack or through yeah. uh through our project management systems so i completely agree that's definitely the way to go one of the things we're working on next is like when you do have these internal meetings you know how do you not have to invite everyone right like an hour meeting you know tim only needs to be there for five minutes of it or you didn't even know that that john needed to be there until 30 minutes in Rather than trying to like invite over invite people to everything they might need to hear, you know, can we get to a place where you can just send them that clip of the meeting or at mention them in the meeting? Hey, John, like check out the last five minutes of discussion, right? Like stuff like that, I think is also kind of a, you know, we start figuring out how to collaborate around pieces of meetings as opposed to being this big, like synchronous elephant you have to eat sort of thing. Sure. Um, and with Fathom, should they be using that for internal stuff or just for external meetings? How should that be used the best? We have people that use it for both. I, you know, I think the majority of our usage is still is like external meetings, right? It's, it's the, mm -hmm. I can't get this person back on the phone. I have 20 minutes with this person and like, and what I'm getting out of this is kind of gold. And everyone wants to see those customer conversations, right? So there's some interesting use cases for internal meetings. I, you know, I think a lot of people that do have a lot of internal meetings have the same problem as like salespeople and success people, which is they all board up together at the end of the day. And it's like, Oh, right. What did my exec say three hours ago? Oh, let me go back and look and rewatch that. Right. Um, so I think there's a big opportunity there. But right now we've been, I think we've started mostly with thinking about how do we make the external meeting, the one that you can't reschedule, the one you can't follow up with and ask 10 more questions if you miss it, if you miss something. Right. How do we make that as productive as possible? Yeah, I think that that's super key. That productivity is huge. What are some of the mistakes you're seeing of of companies who are trying to to make this happen? What what issues are they running into, and how can they overcome them? I, you know, I think the biggest thing we see people run into is just a a fear of asking people, "Can I record this call?" Mm. Um, and this kind of varies by vertical, right? I think, and you know, if you talk to most salespeople, don't have this, don't have a challenge with this, right? It's, it's become kind of like normalized in sales conversations. Um, but if you're not familiar with recording it, like it may seem like, oh my gosh, how are people going to react to this? Are people going to like this or not like this, right? And 
you know, we've often seen that the fear of people being afraid of recording is way bigger than the number of people actually see that actually want to like opt out of recording by like 10x. Agreed. Right. Um, and then we try to do things where it's like, you know, one other thing people like is like, if you just give them the recording afterwards too, they'll actually be really appreciative. Like now you're actually providing value to them. Um, especially in like a sales context where it's like, they're generally trying to sell up the chain too. Like we should buy this thing sort of thing. So in some ways it's sales enablement. But yeah, I think the biggest thing that we see is just like this fear of, of, of recording. And, you know, in certain verticals, like if you're dealing with lawyers or something like that or politicians or whatnot, yeah, maybe, maybe recording is not for you. But for everyone else, I generally feel like, you know, this, this fear is, is generally blown out of proportion. Yeah, I totally agree. So in my business, I help people make their demos amazing. But part of that process, part of my coaching is record your demos and you can go back and watch. And if you are running a team, make sure your team is recording demos so you can help them. You can coach them. You can see where the right and wrong is. And, and by the way, I just was talking with a client this morning and he was going through a demo that he had done. And in the middle, he said, why, what am I doing right there? And because when you're in the heat of the moment and you're so focused on, I got to touch on this, I got to hit that, I got to hit that. You're not actually thinking of the overall dynamic. And it's, it's amazing what you can get if you go back and watch a recording of yourself in a meeting or giving a demo or a presentation or what have you. You can learn a lot from it. I love that, first of all, Zoom now, it's a newer thing in the last six, eight months. I've probably getting longer than that. I'm getting old. Uh, but it does automatically tell them this is being recorded. And they have to say, yes, I got it. And that way you overcome the weirdness of like, hey, is it okay if I record this? Right. So, so it's great that it has that built-in capability, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and I think the other nice thing, so like you touched on coaching, right? Just being able to go back and like, what did it actually sound like during the segment of the call is helpful because you're right. We do all get into our talk tracks, right? And we were like, oh, I got to hit all these things. Um, and the other thing we've seen is that like increasingly, you know, it's really hard to get a decision maker on the meeting. Right, like especially for demos. Usually there's someone the decision maker has charged to like go find out if this thing's any good. Um, and so you know, we're empowering salespeople to like pull out the most important highlights for them, right? Oh, here's where they talked about their pain, or here's where they talked about the impact or their timeline. But the other side of the ball, which is the prospect, is doing a similar thing on their side where they're trying to be like, tell their boss, here was the cool things about this vendor. And so one of the things we're doing with recording is allowing that your prospect to go in and say, Oh, let me go grab the, you know, the screen share section and forward that to my boss. Right. So, so you're not playing this game of telephone of like, you know, them passing notes on their side. Like, oh yeah, this thing looks good. Right. You know, if, if their DM gets to see your, your demo because they got forwarded along and your competitors, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, look good. Right. Who do you think is going to win that deal sort of thing? So I think that's another interesting thing where this kind of data flows out on both sides of, of that organizational divide. Yeah, I, I totally agree. One of the things I teach is how to get people really emotional within that call and what levers to pull to make that happen. And you're right. If if they don't have that recording, they get to the next person and they say, hey, here's this cool product. Well, what is it? I don't know. He clicked some buttons and it did cool things right. versus, hey, here's the walkthrough. It's going to show you exactly. And they will see, holy cow, we need this. Yep. 100%. Love it. So you know, wrapping up here, what advice do you have for other software leaders who are trying to grow their company, grow their teams and kind of get to where they want to be? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> how, many, how many more hours do we have here, Matt? Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, question. I think I, you know, I, I still think the, uh, here, here's my, I'll get on my soapbox. My one soapbox is I'm still shocked by how many companies do customer care very poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in that like the number of companies where like, you know, I, I have vendors, we pay a thousand dollars a month and I can't find a way to like give them feedback or contact them on a support problem without jumping through 10 knowledge base articles and buried somewhere, you know, deep down in some, the bowels of some system. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things we've, you know, I mentioned kind of the stage of working back to front, but one of the things we've been building out along with the product is like a really high touch customer care organization. Um, you know, we try to, I say, we try to give you kind of like five figure level service for a free product. And so if you reply back, you know, we do things like anything goes in your support queue gets routed. Everyone gets assigned to CSM. It gets routed back to the CSM. There's like multiple layers of people checking to make sure it gets, you get answered quickly. We use a whole bunch of systems to keep track of what you've said historically. And, it, you know, we make sure none of our emails have no replies on them. You know, you reply to any email, it goes back to us. Like, and I, I it's, you know, when we have a, when we, when you have a bug, we try to have a goal of like, we contact you and tell you, you had a bug before you even notice. Right. And we try to make sure like we're all really it. on top of user experience. Um, and we have like a, a core group of founders, sorry, a core group of, of users. We call it like our founders club and we send t-shirts and stuff like that. But we're also giving some of the top ones like equity in the company. And so like, we're doing a ton to basically build out strong customer like user advocacy in a world where I think word of mouth really matters a lot. And I don't see a lot of other companies doing that. I see most companies just trying to keep their users at arm's length and being like, you want to contact us, jump through 10 hoops. And it, boggles yeah. my mind because it doesn't cost that much frankly it's just like Agreed. an organizational like attitude that like we're not just going to build a great product but we are going to be a great service as well i think it's fantastic stuff and i hope everybody out there takes that to heart i think that's really really super important i've seen in my past companies the good and the bad of that if you do it right it works great if you don't do it or don't do it well it doesn't go well and so i think that's awesome awesome advice richard this has been phenomenal i really appreciate you coming on sharing all of your wisdom with us uh, I'm definitely going to go back and re-listen to this, make sure I have a full understanding of everything you talked about because it's super important stuff. But how can our audience learn more about you and what you guys are doing at Fathom? Yeah, if you want to check out Fathom, uh, fathom.video slash pod, P-O-D. Uh, there's kind of a wait list on, on Fathom right now, but if you go take that link, you'll skip ahead of it. Uh, and I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so Richard White on LinkedIn, I'll have like this little blue looking kind of pixel avatar. Uh, feel free to message me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to chat about these things. Okay, perfect. We'll put that stuff in the show notes. So if you're listening, you'll be able to see that there, but this has been great, Richard. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Matt, thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Absolutely. Likewise. And everybody out there, thank you for coming. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. You do not want to miss out on any of the cool people that are coming up, sharing their wisdom, their experience, so you can learn from it and you can scale even further. Also, make sure that if you have any questions, if you have any ideas for upcoming shows, send me a message. You can do that through the channels there or leave a comment. Thank you very much for coming and we will see you next time. Take care.